from APM. This is Educate, a podcast from APM Reports on ideas and research into how we teach and learn. I'm Stephen Smith. More and more Americans are going to college, and they're borrowing more and more money to do so. The total bill due for students in America tops $1 trillion. Student debt now at a whopping $1.2 trillion. A stunning 42 million people now owe $1.3 trillion in student debt. This situation is being called the next financial crisis. But worries over that scary $1 trillion number and the so-called student debt crisis may well be overblown. According to a report released this week by the White House, the majority of borrowers owe less than $20,000. Our guest today says loans make going to college possible for many students who otherwise could not afford it. Sandy Baum is a senior fellow at the Urban Institute and author of Student Debt, Rhetoric and Realities of Higher Education Financing. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. As we heard, there are a lot of scary numbers out there, um, often repeated by the everyday media. What is the best way to think about and to measure student debt and whether or not it's too much. The most important way to think about student debt is to think about individual students. So that's why the trillion dollar number is dramatic, but it's not clear what it means. What we should be concerned about is individual students who have borrowed money and not gotten much for their investment in higher education and who are struggling to repay it. But that means looking at the circumstances of individual students, not looking at some number in the aggregate. So let's say I'm a student or a parent of a student about to go off to college. What are, in general, the options and how do the loans work? Well, the first thing is that this parent of a student who's about to go off to college, we're already talking about traditional age, recent high school graduates going off to college. Many of them are going to four-year colleges. These are not the students who have to worry the most about student debt. The real student debt problems lie predominantly with older students who go back to school after they've been in the labor force for a while, with students who go to for-profit institutions, with students who never complete any credential or who complete a short-term credential that has very little labor market value. So there's a lot for the parent of a recent high school graduate to think about, and there are a lot of important warnings, but panic is not the right way to think of it. Let's focus on these other students who really are the typical students, not the kind of imagined student uh, going off to a four-year college. How can people who are in this in these situations, is there a formula they can use for figuring out how much debt to take on? Well, I mean, one issue is that the amount of debt is not an abstract concept that you can say X dollars is too much. It depends on who you are and what you're going to do. So the people with the highest levels of debt tend to be people who went to graduate school. So lots of doctors and lawyers have, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. And actually, while some of them are struggling, many of them are fine with that level of debt. There are other people who borrowed less than $10,000 and are really struggling to pay it back. So there isn't a magic number. The question is, think hard about what you're investing in. Are you likely to succeed? And what is the payoff likely to be? So, for example, if you're going to a community college, many students get very valuable credentials from community colleges. But 
associate degrees and certificates in general studies don't have very good labor market payoff. Whereas if you're getting a certificate in, in medical technology, you, you may have a very good chance of getting a well-paying job. So how much you can borrow and how much time you should spend of your own investing yourself in this depends on what it is you're doing, and you need to find out what happens to most people like you who go to that school and get that credential. Students who are going to a community college or getting some sort of certificate training, while there won't be one formula, there must be some formulas or some, uh, you know, rules of thumb that they could use to apply to this question of how much debt to take on. Right. Unfortunately, one of the problems is that there is a shortage of good advice. So if you're in high school, then if you're lucky, you have a high school counselor who can give you good advice. But of course, Counselors are very overworked and have inadequate uh, knowledge in many high schools. If you're an older adult and you're not in school, then it's much harder because if you go to the institution where you're going to enroll and ask them what you should do, they may have a really strong interest in having you enroll, and they might not give you the best advice. There's a lot of information now online about individual institutions. You can look at that. You can see the graduation rates. You can see whether people repay their debts in the program you're looking at. So it's important to do some research. And again, it's, in terms of student debt, I mean, look, if you're talking about taking some time and working hard and going to college, even if you don't borrow any money, you do not want to go someplace that isn't going to serve you well. So sometimes it's worth borrowing more money in order to go to a better school, to get through school more quickly. So it's really thinking about this as an investment in yourself. And just as you would do if you were going to start a small business, you should make a plan. You should do some real investigation of what the payoff is likely to be. And for most students, education pays off really well. And it's fine to borrow money, and you can pay it off out of your future income. The median earnings for young bachelor's degree holders are about $20,000 a year higher than the median earnings for, for high school graduates the same age. So if you think about that, and you think about among bachelor's degree recipients who borrow, the average debt is about $30,000. You're going to make $20,000 a year more. It's not going to take you that long to pay off that debt. You'd rather not have to pay it. Obviously, it'd be great if somebody just gave you a gift. But that's not the serious problem. The problem is if you saw a sign in the subway, come get this degree, this certificate, your life will be transformed, and then you go sign for $10,000 in debt, that's when you're going to get into trouble. Let's zoom out a bit. Most of the measurements indicate that student debt has grown over the past decades. Why is that? Student debt has definitely grown, and there are a couple of reasons. One reason is that more people are going to college. So this trillion-dollar number that we keep seeing go up and up, that's going to rise if more people borrow money than retire their debts. More and more people are going to college, and many of those people are people who don't have much money. It's a good thing for people who don't have much money to be able to go to college, but they are quite likely to borrow. During the recession, a lot of people who couldn't find jobs or couldn't find well-paying jobs went back to school, and they borrowed money to do it. So that makes student debt go up. Also, of course, we all know that tuition has gone up rapidly, and that's a significant issue, but it's not just tuition, it's living expenses. Many people borrow to cover living expenses. How do for-profit institutions 
fit into this picture? There's been a lot of criticism of the for-profits for essentially luring uh, students into debt that they can't afford. Well, let me say first that it's very difficult to paint all of the institutions in any one sector with a broad brush. For-profit institutions disproportionately do cause student debt problems for many students. Some for-profit institutions are great and do wonderful things for students. Some nonprofit, private, and public institutions really don't serve students well. However, for-profit institutions have much higher prices than public institutions. They don't have the kinds of institutional grant aid and discounts that private nonprofit institutions do. So students who go to for-profit institutions borrow much more than similar students at public institutions. They default at very high rates. A growing proportion of the outstanding debt is held by students who went to for-profit institutions. If we didn't have this problem, the whole student debt scene would look very different and there would be less of a panic. So we need to solve that problem directly. We need to make sure that students can't borrow to go to institutions from which no one graduates or almost no one graduates, and we need to make sure that students have much better advice about what to do. That should be a problem we can solve without saying, oh, my goodness, no one should borrow to go to college. Now, when people can't repay, the problem with most student loans is that you can't get rid of them through the bankruptcy process. Should that change? Yes, it is certainly true that it should be easier to discharge student loans in bankruptcy than it is. It's not impossible now, but it's very difficult. And particularly for private student loans, this really doesn't make much sense. Because if you would put it on your credit card, you could discharge your credit card in bankruptcy more easily. However, the real solution is not to make people declare bankruptcy. The real solution is a program that we actually have in place, but too few people know about, which is income-driven repayment. If you have federal student loans, you can be in a repayment plan that says if your income is too low, you don't have to make payments, and you will never have to make payments that are more than you can afford. And if after 20 or 25 years you haven't paid it off, we'll forgive it. And the best solution is to prevent people from destructive borrowing. But for the people who do end up in circumstances where they can't repay because they can't afford it, Income-driven repayment really can solve that problem. We have it in place. It's not good enough. It's too bureaucratic. There are barriers to it. But that solution does exist for, for most students now and can be and I think will be improved. You suggest a couple other key solutions that you think would uh, help fix the situation for many borrowers. Can you illuminate them? We should realize that there always will be students who are in this situation, and we need to make sure they have a good insurance policy. That is income-driven repayment. The program needs to be designed so that most people can repay their debts. I mean, maybe they need to wait until they get a better job. Most people should be repaying. We shouldn't be forgiving most people's loans. These are people who went to college, and a lot of people didn't even go to college and, and have bigger problems. Meanwhile, uh, as we've discussed already, we could make it easier to discharge student loans in bankruptcy. We could stop doing things like garnishing people's Social Security payments. I mean, if you're on disability or you're retired and living on Social Security, it really is not reasonable to be taking some of that money for student debt payments. If we do forgive your student debt right now, at the end, if your debt is forgiven because you couldn't afford it, it's taxable. If you couldn't afford to make your payments, you're certainly not going to be able to afford to pay that tax. 
we can also make sure that we treat borrowers with more respect and don't let debt collectors harass them. That problem would be improved if we just withheld from people's paychecks their student loan payments, and then the whole system would be simpler. There are simpler solutions that would solve some of the symptoms of the problem, and in the long run, we need to solve the fundamental problems by not talking about student debt per se as a huge problem, because actually borrowing for college is a really good thing for most of the people who borrow, but making sure that the borrowing is good borrowing and not borrowing that's going to lead people into really untenable situations. Finally, what about the suggestion that floats around out there that simply all student debt ought to be forgiven? The idea that all student debt should be forgiven is, is just not something that's well thought out. First of all, a very high percentage of the debt, almost half of it, is held by people who are in the top quarter of the income distribution. If you think about it, the people who borrowed a lot of money for college are people who went to college for a long time. They have a lot of education They tend to have relatively high earnings. A big part of the student debt is held by relatively affluent people. The lowest income people in our society don't hold much student debt. Most of them didn't even go to college. So it would be a very regressive thing to forgive all student debt. Sandy Baum is a senior fellow at the Urban Institute and author of Student Debt, Rhetoric and Realities of Higher Education Financing. Thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you very much. You can find a link to Sandy Baum's book at our website, apmreports.org. While you're there, you can listen to our archive of more than 100 documentary projects. We'd also love to hear what you think about Educate. Leave us a review on iTunes or let us know at apmreports.org. We are on Facebook, and you can also tweet us at Educate Podcast. That's one word, Educate Podcast. Support for APM comes from the Lumina Foundation, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM.